This is CNN. Radio. This is CNN Profiles. I'm your host, Michael Schulder. And there is a quote from Time Magazine about the woman we're about to introduce you to. It says, everyone wants to be in Bergdorf Goodman. It's like the good housekeeping seal of approval. Linda Fargo holds the seal. Joining us on CNN Profiles is Linda Fargo. Linda, welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Really excited to be here. You are Your, your official title is, is what at Bergdorf? I'm uh, I'm the senior vice president of the fashion office, the women's fashion office, as well as st- as well as store presentation for Bergdorf Goodman. And uh, what that means is, um, I also do all the store design for the store and all the visual, pretty much everything ambient and environmental about the store. So we got we got access to you because there is a, a new documentary coming out called "Scatter My Ashes" at Bergdorf Goodman, and Bergdorf is really for those who not only are not from New York, but have not visited New York and walked down Fifth Avenue or follow the fashion industry. It is really at the pinnacle of the fashion industry and has been for many, many years. And it has competitors, but many people in the fashion industry consider it the pinnacle. If you are a clothes designer, you want to get into Bergdorf and Linda Fargo and her team hold the keys to that. Tell us. Thank you. For, thank you for clarifying that. That is, it, it is a team. It is. I, I'm almost embarrassed with that introduction, Michael, because it gives me too much credit. We. It is, you know, like a lot of businesses, it's a it's a big team effort that goes into getting any any product uh, uh, off its mark in any company. But uh, you know, we. Bergdorf, Bergdorf, we just celebrated our 111th anniversary, and we were founded by Edwin Goodman, who who was a master tailor. So the tenets that, that kind of, you know, grounded us had to do with quality, and that has never left us. So everything that we, everything that kind of has to pass the litmus test of, of making it into Bergdorf Goodman has to do with still some of the founding principles that, that we began with. And so let's give our listeners really a, a, an education on fashion here and maybe help, help us adjust our lenses so we can see things we've never seen before. Because you talk about quality, there are certain objective standards to quality. And then, of course, of course, there is the subjectivity of it. And, right. And how do you find the balance and how do you decide, you know what, this designer belongs in this store? Right. Well, that's a that's a very good question. Uh, and it's I'd I, I'd like to say that it's very often it is subjective. It's almost like the laws of attraction when you meet someone and there's something about them and it's it's almost goes beyond words and similarly with product very often you have a reaction to it and very often and by the way I'm a I'm a big shopper a big consumer myself so I know if I'm responding reacting and that and the my covet radar goes up that most likely it will probably go up with other people so so there's the laws of attraction then you then you combine that with your more analytical mind and and you start looking at the at into things like value is is there really a value in it and again that's not necessarily price related at all 
And uh, then you have to you look across your 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 whole breadth of product that you carry and you say, is this redundant? Is this unique? Uh, so so there's any number of different kind of bars that 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 potential product has to pass. Me and my fellow journalists in the audience will uh, everything you just outlined will really resonate with them because that's that's what we have to ask in the editorial process. Does our radar I'm go sh- up? I'm sure because it, it just similarly like for your work, how many stories are there out in the world? There's many stories. So which stories I could turn the I could turn the microphone right back at you and say, well, how do you decide what you want to cover? Well, and that's you a know. great question. Why did we decide to have you on as a guest? And at you know first, your name recognition is extremely high in the fashion industry. Outside the fashion industry, a lot of people don't even know Bergdorf Goodman. Who are you know? Who are real fashionistas? You know, obviously, obviously fashionistas do, but people who are not consumed with fashion, you know, they don't necessarily yeah. know it. And then, and then when I when I was told about you and your role there, I, I thought, oh my gosh, this could be eye opening. And fashion, I think, is significant. Tell me why you think fashion is not trivial. Why is fashion important in our lives? Oh, okay. Well, we have a lot, a lot, a lot of different things to touch on. First of all, I think we have to think about fashion and and the explosive. I, I perceive it to be an explosive interest in fashion. Um, I think you could go back as as short a while ago as even eight years ago, and let's say pre blogger, pre the explosion of. Uh, Project Runway, et cetera, et cetera. That's created a lot of awareness for people. So anybody like me who's now maybe out there, even in a small way, maybe I, maybe there's a small comment I make in Harper's Bazaar, these things now kind of just have much longer tentacles than they used to have. Are, are you like, a, can, are you a market mover? There are some people in the stock market, if they say something, the stock could go up or down. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you were to say something to me about a particular designer that we have never heard of, you wouldn't tell me right now that you are just so excited about this designer who has not yet signed with us. You know what? I I wouldn't say that. No, no. You know, I I, I would never I would never go so far as to say I if I start saying uh, you know. You go back to the old idea of a fashion director. You know, you remember Funny Face, and and she said, "Think pink." You know, I mean, that's kind of the old old world version of a fashion director. If I if I say think pink, I, that that's gonna that that's not gonna really move the needle. But what could move the needle would be, for example, when I'm asked by a journalist before Fashion Week, this happens every time. They said, "Well, wh- what are you going to be looking for? Who are you going to be looking for?" Um, I will tell them a half truth because I don't really want the world to know that we, Bergdorf Goodman, are really have our eye on certain things or certain people. So, And, and as far as the people you have your eye on, uh, there's, there's a wonderful scene in Scatter My Ashes where you are in the offices of a young fashion designer and her partner. This is our, you know, this is our novel collection. We've taken elements of the shirt dress and expanded upon it a little bit more outside of just the shirt dress. And I'll just show you, this has been a this wonderful is a dress for us. Right you may remember the scene, and maybe you can give us a little background yes. on it, but you are, you, you are the one who's asking a lot of questions. You're touching the fabrics. You're looking at the craftsmanship. And then in the end, you tell them what? We tell them that we're going to put them on wait and see. Well, 
I think I think we probably need to wait. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. I'd love to kind of see how somebody does not just once. I think this is a very very promising start, and I like the I like that. I like the, the tier of business that you're going after. Mm -hmm. That for me is a really new, important zone mm -hmm. of the business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that happens a lot, especially when the designers are young. And you know, we, we get pretty much you know, daily requests and knocks on our door to look at product and we try to give things a fair shake. And you know, somebody like the young, young designer, it was Allie Hilfiger and her, her, her company was NOM. And, I definitely sensed something was brewing there with Allie's collection. And it was Allie and, it, and it was Allie to whom you said I think the words were I think we have to wait. That's right. That's right. But but that's said sincerely. I mean, that is not really I think some people perceive that as a no. That was a no for now. That means you know, we want to we want to follow you. We want to see you. Please feel free to call me next season when you're ready again. Um, and there are people who get an, uh, you know, pretty much of an outright no, thank you. I don't think that's for us. You know, sometimes I might even go so far as to recommend them to another retailer. Hmm. Um, so and and it's interesting because you <laughs> talked about Allie Hilfiger, who's who is the daughter of Tommy Hilfiger. That's right. And and you talked about how. Just as a person, you connected with her and she intrigued you. And I think sometimes, for example, in the art world, and fashion is very much art, uh, you know, you can look at a painting or look at a photograph. If you know the backstory of what inspired the photographer, the painter, or the composer, the work might mean something more to you. And you might. So, how much of this is the pure work, the piece of clothing, and how much of it is? the feel you get from the designer? Uh, good question. Uh, you know, it's in the end, I have to say that, that the product pretty much has to stand on a lot, uh, you know, be decoupled from the designer. Um, but I'm not going to say that if you, you know, if there's some level of quality about who the designer is, listen, a person's product is not, is not, in essence, detached from who the person is. Their values and the way they see life is very much comes through their hands and across the work table and goes into the product. So they are very connected, but net-net, I have to also look at it through the eyes of a customer who doesn't necessarily know all that backstory, and in the end, all they can see is the product hanging on a rail in a store with a price tag on it. Um, but for us who are out front and in the field, we that the, the quality of the person can, can make a difference and their personal obsessions. And a person who comes to mind for me uh, in that is somebody like Albert Albaz, who designs for L'Envin. And Albert, any moment you can spend with him, because he has a very unique kind of world view and, and world wisdom and a kind of softness about him and a, and a, a level of innovation and, and anything that he says. So... I find I find the man in that case is very very uh, synergistic with his product. Hmm. 
and and it actually helps you understand what you can expect to get from his line of clothing. Right, it does. It doesn't. He does an unusual thing. For example, I just got an email yesterday from one of his assistants saying, "Heads up, Albert will be in town within three weeks to present his resort collection," and. And I write back, you know, wouldn't miss it for the world. And it's true because it's very rare that you have a designer who will actually come and present the collection himself, especially at his level, and will talk to the collection and what kind of things are on his mind when he started to create it. Uh, so that's that's a rare that's a rare privilege for for even us and the editors to kind of get that kind of inside inside view of the, of how that person's mind and heart are working at that time. Let me ask you. It seems like there clearly there are so many talented young people who are struggling to break through, and again they've got Bergdorf on their horizon. It's in their dream. I'm 53. If I were a fashion designer, and it was sort of a Maybe it was a latent talent of mine, and I finally picked it up, and I've been working really hard, and I have a few pieces that I just know are dynamite. Can I get in the door with you? Well, we're, I mean, we're not ageist. It's not, it's not, you know, certainly your age is not going to make a difference. We all know that, you know, it's, it's, it's good to start things, you know, younger, so you've got the energy that it takes to, you know, carry through all the all the efforts that it takes to run a business I um, off the top of my head from what you said you know we we at Bergdorf's we're not a little boutique we're quite a big complex store and we're not we're probably very very rarely and I can barely think of one instance where we would pick up a collection based on one or two great items sometimes we will look at a collection and we'll see a few things that we like a lot but we need the collection to be quite quite well-rounded Say, say you invent uh, uh, an incredible windbreaker. Uh, I'm talking in the men's business or something, a great windbreaker. I might love that windbreaker, but that's not enough to maybe, you know, to, to really, really for us to get up and going in business together. And, and we consider our relationships, once we finally do sign up a brand, um, somewhat of a marriage. We don't, we don't plan to be, um, you know, we don't pretend, plan to short it and, 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 and we're not in it for the, uh, the short view. It's really a long view, like a marriage, really. And so it takes a special talent. I mean, you might be the most brilliant fashion designer ever, but if you can't deliver a certain breadth and, and critical mass, Bergdorf just may not be in your horizon. Yeah, and you need, you know, listen, you know, the, the business of really running, running a fashion, you know, it's, people think it's, you know, it's all about that moment on the runway. And that is the big, that is a big glamorous moment. But there is so much more behind it. I mean, the fashion industry is huge. I mean, you've got publicists, you've got work rooms. Um, I, you look at Bergdorf's alone, we've got, we've, you've got salespeople, you've got display people, um, you know, it's, it's, it's got, it's, I've used that word, but it's got a lot of tentacles. And so tell, uh, it's not just that runway moment. Tell me, by the way, because unfortunately we weren't able to make it in the same room today. So I'm in Atlanta, you're in New York. What are you, what are you wearing today? I, <laughs> I'm wearing a vintage, uh, a vintage Ungaro dress. Uh, we carried a, we carried a, a vintage, uh, uh, company for a while called Coquette out of Los Angeles. And this was, uh, and it's in a, uh, for your viewers, let's see how I describe this. This is made from actually an Andy Warhol print of his flowers. 
and it's 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 quite colorful and uh, I've I've worn it before and I'm not afraid to wear things a few times if I really love it and let it to start to become a signature. I think sometimes people feel they can wear they wear something and that they really shouldn't be seen wearing it too often. I don't believe in that at all. I think if you love it and you want to own it and make it somewhat of a signature, you think about Diane Keaton and her style. You know, people develop a style, and I'm I'm not afraid to to do that. So what is that? You we, we started speaking on the phone yesterday uh, yeah. off mic, and, and you were talking about how important fashion is to self-expression and how people should maybe take some more risks. So what does that outfit today say about you and, and your passions and who you are? Oh, well, let's see. I think it says um, that I'm I'm not afraid to I'm not afraid to walk in the room. Um, I'm maybe a little playful. Um, I like to smile a lot. <laughs> uh, let's see. It's it's and and it's also you can't really see the dress, but it's actually kind of conservative in a way because it's got long sleeves. It kind of comes up my neck. I'm not like it. Also says you know you know clothes are as we said self expression. It says a lot about how people feel about themselves physically. You know we all know that this is a you know this is kind of a sensuous world we live in, and people like to send out a lot of signals about that. That says that I'm kind of I'm kind of a little bit. I would never be vulgar. Um, I find clothes which are which are way too showy, way too short, way too bearing. For me, I find that too obvious, and I like I like things which are less obvious. I mean, I feel like I'm a kind of person you have to spend time to kind of get to know me, discover me a bit. So how's that? How's that for all the semiotics of clothing? Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, clothing clo- clothing is a, clothing is definitely a shorthand um, for you know, how we feel about ourselves in many ways and what tribe of people we belong to. Uh, we all know, you know, if you, you know, see a guy walking down the street and he's got the kind of really long baggy shorts and they're hanging down and you've got the, you know, the little bit of the boxer short coming out of the top, you know, their tribe. And, and if you see the guy um, walking down the street and he's got his cable knit colorful sweater it's and it's tied just so around his shoulders over his Oxford shirt, you know his tribe. You know, so, so clothing, clothing get, cuts to it kind of quickly. You all have, and you're not the only ones, but you have discovered some people who we had never heard of until you discovered them. And I believe is is one of them Jason Wu. Are you responsible for him? One of them is Jason Wu. And so t- tell uh, tell us for the general know, for the general audience. Yeah, tell us who is yeah. Jason Wu. How did you find him? How did he make the cut? Yeah. Well, I I think a lot of people have probably probably heard of Jason because. It, uh, very, very famously, Jason um, had the honor of being able to dress Michelle Obama for both of her inaugurations. Uh, you can only imagine, you know, what that what that did for his, you know, visibility. We we were we were already carrying him at that point, and and it is true. I I saw Jason uh, show. Gosh, I I'm really I, I'm going to say about five, about yeah, maybe already six years ago, and. The reason he caught my attention at the time is Jason, for a very young man, was already working 
um, with a style that I felt like was disappearing, which was a lot. A lot of the younger designers are very comfortable working with things that are kind of edgy and cool and maybe kind of downtown feeling. But I felt like we needed we needed a new a new bench strength of designers who were working in things that you might be considered maybe more classic, like built built on the you know built on some of the baby tenets of, of classical dressing and just beautiful where it wasn't trying to be outrageous in any way and make women just simply look elegant and pretty and he was doing that somewhat in the spirit of what what Oscar Lorenta does and Valentino uh, and Chanel so so here we have this really young guy and we thought wow this guy could be the future for women who want to really dress in this kind of refined feminine way and that those were the qualities which really made him resonate for me. I do want to get to this point of you, you are in a creative industry. Those of you know, my colleagues and I here work in a creative industry. And, and you have some insights into how to create an environment that really values that creativity among certain employees. And how do you do that? How do you keep mm-hmm. your most creative employees generating the ideas that are really going to make a difference in your business. Right. I mean, I think that there are, there are, I'm going to kind of direct this a little mostly at stores. I think that there's stores, now I could even take this conversation wider. I think businesses that truly and genuinely harness and embrace their most creative people and don't treat them like Oh, the creative people, those wacky creative people, um, are the companies that in the end will survive probably the longest because creative people, are very often they get a little bit, I'm going to say a little underestimated because some of them are definitely more left brain than right brain, but they're incredible problem solvers and they have instincts that, that a lot of other people who are maybe more analytical by nature are not really able to tap into. Um, and I'm happy to say uh, that that my team at Bergdorf's, we feel that we could very com- we feel very valued and utilized and and really leaned on in a in not just in kind of a roundup the usual suspect way. Um, yes, that we you know they they trust us to execute these phantasmic windows, and nobody I'm happy to say asks us every weekly what are you doing what are you doing they trust us to they trust us to make those decisions and use our our creative judgment and so we feel valued and encouraged and i'm going to say that was really from day one for me and i've been there for about 16 years now you've been there for 16 years and you had a life before and you know when we think of fashion say well hey best place to grow up and be raised if you want to be in the fashion world is new york that was not your background Tell us where you came from and how you got to where you are. Yes. Hmm. I am from the Midwest. I'm from Wisconsin. And I was a, uh, let's see, what can I tell you quickly? I what, was, part, uh, what, part, I was, what part of Wisconsin? Uh, near Milwaukee. I was in a, a small town called Brookfield. And I grew up very, you know, really in the outdoors. And uh, But I was, uh, you know, I, lo- I always loved art was a big, kind of central part of my life. Uh, my parents were European. We, I'm, I'm basically first-generation American. And uh, where, where, where in Europe? Uh, my mother was Norwegian and my father was Hungarian. And uh, 
Let's see. And I, I think, you know, somewhere, actually, I can remember an aha moment sitting in eighth grade and, and a brochure for Parsons School of Design some kind of floated across a desk. And there was an image on the front that I thought was one of the most amazing images I'd ever seen. And I thought, I have to go wherever that is. And that was when I, I just had it in my sights that I was going to come to New York somehow, some way. And, and as soon as I graduated from college, I took my uh, my $1,000 and my, my clothes, which were not nearly the wardrobe that I have today, and fit them in a few hefty garbage bags. Believe it or not, they wouldn't fit in the car otherwise. And and I came across the 59th Street Bridge. It's, 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 it's kind of, a, it is sounding a little Dorothy right now, but it was a bit like that. And I, you know, saw, you know, New York City looming before me, like like the Emerald City, and uh, I, I've I've never left. I took a little hiatus in San Francisco for a few years, which only strengthened my resolve that I really am a New Yorker now, and this is home. Do you, do you but remember? if Paris comes knocking, by the way, I might say yes. So just anyone out there, Paris is still uh, on my horizon too. <laughs> do you, Do you remember that image, by the way, on the on the Parsons uh, magazine? I do. I do. I can tell you exactly what it looks like. It was a, it was a woman, uh, a model who was wearing a, I'm going to say like a Pocahontas poncho that had been made out of, out of all Ticonderoga pencils. And so they were basically hanging like Indian beads, but they were pencils. I know it probably doesn't sound that interesting, but it was it was very striking to me. And uh, well, it actually does anyways. sound fascinating because it's like you know, look at the materials that were ready to hand that we think yeah. of as as having another function, and something was created out of it. Yeah, and that and that 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 kind of that kind of form of creativity, I think, probably really resonated for me personally. I I, I was as I as I started maturing as a young artist, I ended up my my specialty really ended up being found object art. I was really considered if you if you had to ask me, Linda, what what's your what's your medium, I would have said assemblage, and uh, I I kind of you know I was. I was kind of happily not very well exposed to to the art world. I didn't know anything about Marcel Duchamp. I didn't know uh, anything about Rauschenberg. Or uh, for me, it was just very organic. I love I love repurposing things. Um, in my days when I did when I was doing Windows twenty four seven, I would I would pride myself on being able to make a window, for example, out of nothing but candles candles and smoke. And I would do where we would actually paint with the smoke of the candles on the wall. And and if you pulled masking, you know, if you if you paint an apartment and you have masking tape all over the walls and you go and pull it down, you end up with wads and wads of the sticky tape, for example. Well, I might look at that sticky tape and go, God, that's incredible. That's like sculptural material. And I mean, I'm happy to say that that tradition of repurposing and no material too grand and no material too lowly is something that um, um, our display department and my window team loves as well. And I think we we set up some obsessions and fascinations that that continue to this day. We we love nature. I think if you see Bergdorf's windows, you might see a window that might have. I'm serious, might have a million shells in it, which have been used in all kinds of ways or branches. Uh, so 
kind of Baroque, but with nature. So, so my final question, and this is a, a subject we're sort of obsessed about here on CNN Profiles, and, we, and we've brought it up with a lot of different very successful people, this idea of serendipity. Anybody who's interested in found object art has to understand the value of serendipity. How many, how much of this business of yours that you run, that you help run, has been enhanced by serendipity? And can you give me a specific example? Mm. Well, I think like, I think like life, I think serendipity is, you know, is a great partner. I think, I think, you know, accident can be your best collaborator, but you have to be alert. You have to know it when it's there. It's like that old thing when opportunity knocks. You kind of just have to be a person who's able to hear it. Did you get that ability from your parents, or where did it come from? I don't know. I think I is is it sound it sounds like a survival technique to me. <laughs> I'm not sure, Michael. So, Linda, thank you uh, very very much, Linda Fargo, head of fashion at Bergdorf Goodman. Well, thank you for today. By the way, you can find CNN Profiles on our website, cnn.com slash soundwaves, or download us from iTunes, or go to SoundCloud. And please, if you like what you hear, don't be shy. Share.